0: Let's pray. Can we do that? Father, we thank you for this day. You are a good God. You really are. You're an amazing in all of your ways. And God, we know that you're here with us today. And we know that you're able to meet every need that is in this place. Pray that you'll touch your people even now. Be with us in the remainder of our time together. And God, let something that happens in the next few moments just provoke an an action uh, in us. God, because we don't want to be what we've been. Lord, we want to become increasingly more like you want us to be, and all of us need that, so help us with that today. We pray it in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Hey, before we get into today's today's message, I want to go ahead and mention, uh, today we're wrapping up the me I want to be, and as I mentioned to you, I'm really fired up about the talk today, but I wanted to go ahead and get you thinking about next week, because next week... Uh, we're starting a brand new series. Already a lot of energy and work has gone into this. And so we're going to kick it off next week. I hope you're going to be here for, for that. I hope you'll uh, bring somebody with you next week. And you see it on the screen now, seeing the invisible. How many of you know that there is a, a world and activity at work that you and I, it's not even visible to our eyes. How many of you know that? And so we're going to talk about that. And you're like, is it going to be spooky? Is it going to be eerie? I don't know. You'll have to come back next week and see. So I'm just tossing that out to you. I don't think it will be. But we're going to talk about uh, seeing the invisible. Why does that work in this world? And and we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk a little bit about the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about angels. If you've ever wondered what uh, angels... Uh, are and what they do. We're going to talk about that, the influence. And I don't uh, like having to do it, but it's necessary to talk about what is the influence of the evil one and uh, demonic spirits that work in collaboration with Satan and all. And so we're going to talk about these things. I don't think we've ever done that here before. So uh, I'm looking forward to getting into that uh, with you. But today... The me, I want to be uh, part six in the final six, uh, final message of the six part series. And I just want to begin it by saying this. Everybody wants to be liked. Everybody wants to be liked. Would you agree with that? I think that that is pretty much true. If someone were to say to me, I don't, I don't care if I'm ever liked by anybody the rest of my life. I would be like, are you sure about that? See, I function with this mentality that everybody wants to be liked and everybody wants to have friends and whether you want to have a friend or not, or friends, uh, plural, everybody needs friends and this being true, then how does this become a reality for us? And we're going to put it in this context. How do we become a more likable person? And some of you may be thinking, well, I don't need this message at all, because there's no way that I could be any more likable than what I am right now. I'm as likable as I will ever be. Well, hang in here. You may find out that there's some areas that you can work on. But haven't you noticed this before? Haven't you noticed that some people are able to make friends easier than other people? Uh, Have you noticed this? I believe you have. Uh, some people, it's it just like, it's like, they're not even like consciously trying to make a bunch of friends, but they just meet uh, people easily and they're likable. And so they, they can develop some pretty substantial friendships without even trying. Other people, it's more difficult for them. And this is something that we can work on and get better at because uh, again, we want to be likable. And uh, we're talking about that in uh, out of Galatians five and what we're, talking about today is gentleness. And uh, it's it's really important that we understand gentleness because if we're more gentle, we're more likable. And if we're more likable, we're going to have more friends. But a lot of times we don't really understand gentleness. This is how we basically define oftentimes gentleness. We say gentleness equals meekness, meekness equals weakness. And I won't know part of that. And and that's not what gentleness is, not in terms of a biblical reality. In a biblical reality, gentleness, it's this idea of strength, but it's under control. It's like a horse that has been trained, and that horse could be wild, and and, uh, yet somebody has trained that horse and brought all of that strength under control. So when you think about gentleness as it's used the way we're going to talk about it today in the Bible, gentleness is not meekness, which equals weakness. Gentleness is having this strength under control. In fact, it's also learning, and this is what we're going to talk about. It's learning how to control our reaction to people because sometimes we get that really, really right, and sometimes we don't. Let's begin with this verse right up here on the screen. All of you note takers will want to be sure that you get this down. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 5 says this, let your, here's the key word, gentleness be evident to all. Let your gentleness be evident to all. So, uh, I want to hurry because I've got six of these that I want to give you, and I'm going to give them to you quickly. And so I want you to uh, be sure you get this down. I'm I'm going to mention to you what gentleness is and what it's not. So number one, you ready? We're going to make this real pragmatic. So if you're a note taker, be sure you get this down. Number one, here it is. Be gentle, not demanding. I want you to say that with me. Uh, Be gentle, not demanding. Everybody, all right? And everybody, how many of you know everybody is everybody? So uh, gentleness. Be gentle, not. All right. Let's do that one more time. That was pretty good. Be gentle, not. Don't be demanding. Now, how do you like? and, And we'll talk about this for just a moment. How do you like? How do you like going? Uh, to a restaurant with a very demanding person. Have you ever had that experience? Wave at me if you have. Have you ever had that experience? And uh, I've had that experience. It's why I've chosen I'm not going to have that uh, experience again unless I'm absolutely forced into it, can't get out of it. Otherwise, otherwise, I'm not going to go uh, to a restaurant with demanding people because they embarrass me. And if I'm more honest even than that, they not only embarrass me, they make me mad. How many of you are with me? Demanding people are generally not likable people, and since I, I mentioned a restaurant as an example, you know, the reality is uh, we don't know the full story of what is going on in the life of that person that happens to be taking care of us, that server and a lot of times it's just part of our old nature, our, our, um, you know, our sinful self that we're born with, that we're selfish, and because we're selfish, a lot of times we're thinking about me and uh, mine, and makes us demanding, and we're not being conscious of what somebody else may be going through. But I try to keep this, and I don't always get it right. But and a lot of these I may not get really right, but this one I really work hard because I don't ever know that person that is being so kind and taking care of me. I, I don't, I don't know what they're going through in their life. They, they may have family pressure, or, or they may have financial pressure. Uh, They might have emotional pressure. They may have uh, health problems. So I want to just be as nice as I can be, make eye contact, be friendly. How's your day? How are you doing? How late? And so I'll intentionally want to have, because I've been around demanding people at at restaurants before, and I never want to be that kind of person. The me I want to be is a person that is gentle, not demanding. Now, can I add something else into this equation? that a lot of times demanding people don't even take into consideration but I want to help you with this. Uh, it's a mantra that I live with. It is foolish to agitate people that handles your food How many of you are with me? All right just keep that in mind next time you want to be demanding. But we need to consider other people and think about well what are they going through? what's there it's not be demanding but be gentle. Look at this. Going back to Philippians, look at these uh, two verses. Don't look out, Paul says, only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that who had? That Christ Jesus had. Had that same kind of attitude that Jesus had. So uh, gentle, not demanding. Not in restaurants. Hey, let me throw this out while we're talking about it. What if we became more gentle at home, in the context of our relationships at home, uh, with our kids? If if we have parents, uh, if we're parents of small kids or kids that are still at home, and, and kids maybe that should have left a long time ago but they didn't for whatever reason, because you are so gentle. But but what if what if we were just more gentle? At home. Do you know the Bible even talks about this? Uh, There's a word of instruction uh, for uh, wives and husbands in this regard, and it's real close. In fact, only three verses separated. This is the instruction for wives. Look at this up on the screen. Your beauty, your beauty should consist of your true inner self. The ageless beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of the greatest value in God's sight. So this inner beauty, this gentleness. And and the writer of scriptures would say, this is a wonderful and a beautiful and a powerful thing. But it's not just, you know, instructions for, for wives. It's also for husbands. Three verses later, look at this. This is what it says in regards to husbands. Husbands, in the same way, Be considerate or gentle as you live with your wives and treat them with respect. And so it can work anywhere. Being gentle, not demanding. Number two, gentle, not judgmental. All right? So I'll say the first part. You help me again. Will you do it? Gentle, not not judgmental. And we don't want to be uh, judgmental. And and let me just ask you this. How do you respond to people when they blow it, when they experience failure, when they make a mistake? Do you rush in with judgment? Are you like harsh? Are you like, I knew it. I knew it. It was only a matter of time. They deserved exactly what they got. Serves them right. What a bonehead. I can't believe they would even, I mean, is, is that the me that you want to be? And I don't think for any person here, that's the me that we want to be. Instead, just as we've been the recipients of grace, we want to be grace-giving. In fact, you've heard me say this before. When I stand before God one day, I would rather hear God say, Jeff, too much grace, rather than hear God say, you were way too judgmental. Can I just say this? Because we're talking about gentleness and we're talking about how to become a more likable person. And if we want friends and we need friends, then we need to be gentle, not uh, demanding. We need to be gentle and not judgmental. I I can remember the very first church I went to after I graduated from Southeastern University uh, two or three years ago or maybe longer, maybe it was toward the latter term of Abraham Lincoln's presidency. It goes uh, back away, But I can remember the first church, and I'm young, I'm a rookie, and I can remember, I can remember this couple so well, I can remember exactly what they looked like, that's the kind of impact that it had. And I'm telling you, if I had ever been around more judgmental people in my life prior to that time, I, I don't remember it. And they were extraordinarily judgmental about everything. They were always judging people about something. And they were always, it's like, man, just negative and cynical and judgmental. And and, and that doesn't make you a likable person. And honestly, for me, as a young pastor, just graduate from Southeastern University in my first ministry position, I, I didn't like being around them because they were just judgmental all of the time. And even as I'm saying this, am I'm being judgmental of them because of their judgmentalism? It gets confusing, doesn't it? But I remember, I can remember just this going on and on and on, month after month, month after month. And then eventually, oh, man, and I won't get into the details of it, obviously, some things came to light, and I'm like, "Mm, isn't that interesting that they were so judgmental of everybody else while at that time they were hiding something their own? I guess it sort of, you know, affected me in this way that now, uh, whether it's accurate or not, I can't help it, I guess. But sometimes when I'm around people and they're really judgmental, I I can't help it. But sometimes my mind wonders, what are they hiding? What are they hiding? What are they doing? Look at uh, Galatians chapter 6 and verse one, look at this verse up here on the screen. Brothers and sisters, this is what we ought to do. The me we ought to be. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit, who are really following God's plan, living by the Spirit, staying in step with the Spirit, what should you do? Judge them? Be harsh? Say, I knew you had to come? No. Restore that person gently. Because here's what we want to do. We want to be gentle, not judgmental. Gentle, not judgmental. In, in fact, um, I think if you're, if you're having a tough time, and, and again, because we all want to grow, none of us are there yet. We want to say, okay, God, what areas of my life uh, do I need to keep you know, plown, plowing forward, stay on this path? What areas of my life need some sort of mid-course correction? And uh, if that's you and you're like, you know what? Jeff, to be honest, if you're being honest with yourself, I could be a little bit on the harsh, judgmental side I think one of the things to do when you find it difficult to be gentle and patient with others is to just remember how patient and gentle that God has been with you. In fact, I want you to look at this verse up on the screen. Look at Romans chapter 15 and verse 7, the 8th part of that verse. Accept one another then, accept one another just as Christ accepted. What's it say? You, accept people, not demanding or or not being judgmental, but being gentle. While back, I was reading a book, and and in it it said this. uh, This particular writer says, One day I read a paragraph by C.S. Lewis that rocked me. It noted that there is someone I love. This is what C.S. Lewis was saying. Someone I love, even though I do not always approve of what he does. There is someone I accept, though I don't like some of his actions. That someone is me. I don't like my impatience toward my kids, my selfishness with my wife, or my temper when someone cuts me off on the road. I don't like it when I speak before I think and hurt others. I don't like a lot of the things I do, yet I still accept myself. I do love at least one sinner, even though I don't approve of his sin. If I can accept and love myself in this way, I can seek to extend a similar compassion to others. And then this writer says, this insight allowed me to love people freely, irrespective of what they may or may not be doing. So what are we choosing to do? To be gentle, not demanding. To be gentle, not judgmental. Number three, be sure you get this. To be gentle, not disagreeable. All right, so let's continue our exercise To be gentle, not... All right, you're you're getting a little weak. You're fading on me as we get deeper into this talk, all right? To be gentle, not... Not disagreeable. Now, have you already figured this out? If not, I'm going to help you. You cannot please everybody. Wave at me if you've already figured that out. And that would be 100% of you. You can't please everybody no matter how hard you try. You know, I mentioned uh, I mentioned when I was a uh, younger, young pastor, and I just thought, man, I just had stars in my eyes going to church, and everything is perfect in church, everybody's perfect in church. And then over time, as I grew more in my leadership, I came to a realization that you can't, you, you can't, um, how do I want to say it? You can't always be rational with irrational people. You just can't you'd love to be, but no matter how hard you try, sometimes people are argumentative. It's who they are. They're combative. They can be disagreeable, critical, negative, quarrelsome. And see, one of the great tests in life, and this is where we come, we can't control what they do, obviously, but we can control what we do. And one of the great tests in life concerning our maturity and character, listen to this now, this is really important, is how do we handle obstinate, disagreeable, difficult people? How do we handle that? See, it's easy to handle people that are so likable, but disagreeable people, generally by nature, are not very likable. So how do we handle somebody like that when they're obstinate and disagreeable and combative? Well, you know, we've got options. We always have options. Here's an option. I encourage you not to take the option, but here's an option. We can retreat in fear. We move into conflict avoidance. We don't ever want any conflict about anything. We never want to be a part of any kind of disagreement about anything, whether it's right or wrong. It's just like to be passive. It's our anxiousness causes us to want to totally disengage or disconnect. So we can retreat with fear. I do not recommend that. Nor do I re- recommend this second option, which is we can react with anger. You know, they're being angry and critical and negative, And we just say, well, I can't let them get by with that. And you know what we do? Instead of bringing things down, we ratchet things further up. When we're, I'm not going to let them get by with that. And we become angry ourselves. Well, that's not a good option. Here's a much better option. This is the me that we all, I know, want to be. And it's indicative of what is a mature response, and that is we can respond with gentleness. We can ratchet things down. We don't have to be passive and run and fear and be anxious and just saying, I don't want conflict about anything, anytime. Don't be afraid of conflict. Don't be afraid of conflict. But be sure that your response to it is correct. Now, it's interesting to me, and there's a lot that I could say here, but it's interesting to me when I see what James says is the source of a lot of disagreements. Maybe you've never seen this in Scripture before. Look at this. James 3.16 says, For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. So what is James saying? He's saying that normally when there's disagreements, normally it has something to do with ego, has something to do with jealousy or selfishness. And so, you know, we've already talked about, you know, moving away from selfishness, not being demanding, not being judgmental. Now we're talking about not being disagreeable. But again, I want to be clear on this because I think this is important to realize. Uh, Being gentle does not mean being apathetic. Being gentle does not mean being indifferent. It simply means that we have grown to a point and we have matured to a point where we can be where we can disagree without being disagreeable. Does that make sense? You, you're not going to agree with everybody on everything. Hey, can I just say this? You're not going to agree with yourself about everything. You're going to question yourself from time to time but you don't have to agree. I heard somebody say, how, did, how was it said? You don't have to see eye to eye to walk hand in hand. And there's going to be people that you know and love and friends and family and relationships that you have. And um, you're not going to agree with them on every single thing. But this is what we learn. This is the me that we want to be is even when we disagree to do it in a way that's agreeably gentle, not disagreeable. By the way, if you happen to, because this could be pertaining to some of you, that you would, you would aspire for spiritual leadership in some capacity, then gentleness, this is important to know, that gentleness is a qualification, according to the Bible, that you actually have to have. And you're like, Jeff, really? Is that in the Bible? It is, and I want you to see it right here on the screen. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone... How many of you are glad the scripture doesn't say that's easy? Kind to everyone, a good teacher and patient. The Lord's servant must gently teach those who disagree. And what that tells me, you know, and I I just personalized that. As a pastor, I can't can't get by with just being obstinate and disagreeable and quarrelsome. By nature, uh, that's... That's not who I am, anyhow. But certainly, by in a spiritual nature, being born again, that shouldn't be a part of my my mo. And it's not that I don't feel that way sometimes. I, I do feel that way, but I just can't allow that to fully play out. Well, I need to keep moving. Uh, number four, we're halfway through. Number four, gentle, not defensive. Gentle, not. All right, you're fading again. Here we go. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Gentle, not. Some of you are like, yeah, now we're getting to it. Now we're going to talk about football. We're going to talk about defense. Not that kind of defensive. Don't raise your hand. Don't nod. Don't point. Don't do any of those things. I want to just ask you a question. And I'm not trying to start anything, by the way. Do you know anybody that has a difficult time receiving advice or correction? Anytime in well-intended, pure heart, pure motives to build up, but again, anytime, and we all know people like that, who become immediately defensive. Going to provide some advice, defense. Going to provide some correction, some constructive criticism, even defensive. Do you know anybody like that? Some of you may be saying, yeah, I know I'm real well because it's me. I have a tendency to be like that but we want to be gentle, not defensive. We mentioned James just a few moments ago. Now take a look at what he says uh, in chapter one in verse 19. Look at this here on the screen. Everyone, and guys keep this one up for just a moment because there's a couple of key words. They're highlighted, but I want to address them. Everyone should be quick to, slow to, and should not get angry easily. Now, let me show you something unique about this. And this is verse, if you're not getting the other ones down, you'll want to get this one down. When you do, or when I do the first two parts of this verse, the latter part becomes easier. If we are quick to listen and slow to speak, it's easier to not become angry. See, wise people, and this is the point that I want to make, wise people and gentle people are always trying to learn. And you know what? You can learn something from everybody. I read a book a number of years ago. Daniel Goldman was the author. I believe that's his name, Emotional Intelligence. And he talks about how that people have intelligence in a lot of different areas. And there's all kind of you know, uh, somebody may have medical intelligence. Somebody may have mechanical intelligence and right on down the line. And so uh, if you and I, maybe there's an area that we just grow in and and uh, we're good at, but maybe there's other areas that we need to grow in or learn Well, we can learn from a lot of different people. And, and can I just ask you, who are you learning from these days? Are you teachable? Are you gentle, not defensive? See, because we're talking about, and this is out of Galatians 5, 22 and 23, when it says, and the fruit of the Holy Spirit is gentleness, and gentleness helps us to become a more likable person. But you know what I've noticed? Some of the loneliest people in all of the world are know-it-alls. You can't teach them anything. They already know it. Some of the loneliest people in the world are people who are unwilling to admit that they've made a mistake. Some of the loneliest people I know are always defensive and and dogmatic, and their way is always the right way, every single time. Some of the loneliest people I know are resistant to even constructive feedback constructive criticism. In fact, I'll give you a verse on that one right here. Take a look at this right here. This is out of the Proverbs, the wisdom sayings. Whoever pays attention to constructive criticism will be honored. I've been reading a lot through the Proverbs recently. And this, you know, it it talks about a person who's living a wise life and a person who's living a foolish life. And a wise person is one that is teachable, can learn something from other people. They don't know it all they're willing to admit mistakes they're not defensive so gentle not defensive number five gentle not resentful all right you ready are you fading on me gentle not resentful. not resentful resentful people always filled with resentment are not likable people and that becomes uh, a problem Again, in the context of relationships. Gentle, not resentful. Do you know this? That being hurt is inevitable in life. Anybody ever been hurt by somebody else? Wave at me. Will you take a moment? Just wave at me. Have you? And you know this by now. I'm not telling you anything that you don't know. You can't go through a lifetime without being hurt. It's inevitable. Sometimes... It's intentional. And that hurts even more. Sometimes it's quite accidental. And Jesus himself provides such a powerful example of how to keep your cool in the toughest of situations and how to refuse to retaliate when everything could be screaming in your body to retaliate. And you know the story. Jesus is falsely accused. He's totally innocent. And yet he finds himself as a bystander at his own mock trial out of that he is now on his way to a cruel death i want you to see this up on the screen this is always amazing to me first peter 2:23 says he did not retaliate how many of you know that in that moment jesus could have retaliated how many of you know he could have called every he could have called on every angel in heaven and wiped out the whole bunch just like that how many of you know that but he didn't he didn't retaliate when he was insulted nor threaten revenge when he suffered Man, this is so good. What Jesus did is something we need to do. He left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. You're not going to be able to go through your life. And some of you may say, well, I've been hurting up, but you'll be hurt again. Again, sometimes it'll be intentional, sometimes it will be accidental. But it's a good lesson that we learn. The me that we want to be is the me that says, you know what? I'm not going to get revenge. I don't have to retaliate. I'm not going to become a more increasingly uh, resentful person. That's not the me that I want to be. In fact, what I'm going to do is I'm going to leave my hurt in the care of God. What is gentleness? Gentleness is the ability to handle a hurt without retaliating. Let me say that again. Gentleness is the ability and the maturity to be able to handle a hurt without retaliating. Have you ever felt this way, though? but they make me so mad. Have you ever felt that way? You ever have people in your life that it seems like they have a doctorate in making you mad? They just make you mad. It's like, oh, they just make me so mad. Can I give you some encouragement right here? Don't surrender the control of your emotions to somebody else. Can I say that again? Don't surrender the control of your emotions. But they make me so mad. They make me nail-biting fist, pounding mad. Don't surrender control of your emotions to that person. Listen carefully to something that Andy Stanley uh, wrote in his book. I read it uh, Just several months ago, the book uh, is called Enemies of the Heart. And this is what Andy Stanley said in that book. He said, here's a question every angry man and woman needs to consider. How long are you going to allow people you don't even like? People who are no longer in your life. Maybe even people who aren't even alive anymore to control your life. How long, he says. Seriously, he writes, get out your calendar and pick a date. Ridiculous, question mark, silly, question mark. And then he adds this, what's ridiculous is to continue to allow the people who have hurt you, the people who have hurt you the most to influence your current and future relationships. Can you retaliate? Yeah. Can you get revenge? Obviously. But that's not the me that we want to be. We do just like Jesus. We leave it in in the care of God. Gentleness is a powerful thing because it helps us to manage our own moods. We're not surrendering our emotions, our feelings to some, somebody else. You know, when you, when you start being at the whim of everybody else, and everybody else is controlling your emotions and reactions, and, and uh, that's occurring in your life, you know what, it causes you to become defenseless. You know, you, you're not, and when I say a guard, I'm not talking about going back to what we were talking, I'm not talking about being defensive, but I'm talking about the containment of your own emotions where you're not always just, uh, you know, surrendering that up to somebody else. It's a powerful thing to be able to control your own emotions, to be able to control anger. In fact, uh, going back to the Proverbs, I want you to look at this. Look at what it says right here. Proverbs 16:32 says, it is better to be patient than it is to be powerful. It's better to win control over yourself than over whole cities. And the implication of that would be, and again, in the wisdom sayings, is sometimes it's it's easier to conquer cities than it is your own emotions and your own feelings. But again, the me that I want to be, we want to be gentle and not resentful. We don't have to retaliate. Let me give you one more. Gentle, not inconsiderate. Gentle, not inconsiderate and i don't have much time here we're about out of time and i'm going to pray but when you're sharing your faith with an unchurched person and i trust that you're doing that when you're sharing your faith with somebody that's far from god how do you approach that potentially life-changing encounter do you approach it carelessly or gently when you're having a conversation with somebody that's far from god do you approach a situation like that and you're callous or are you respectful? I want to leave you with a couple of thoughts right here. Do you know that you can love people into the kingdom of God? Do you know that? You can love people into the kingdom of God. Now, I'm going to make a statement. You're not going to understand it. some of you will not initially, but then it will settle in and you'll be like, okay, I got, I, I've got what you're saying. Sometimes before you you ever win somebody to Jesus, you have to win them to you. Does that make sense? You've got to win them to you. It's being a likable person. It's being a, a friendly person. It's being a gentle person. It's being somebody that, hey, you know what? They're a real person. And they're loving, and I I sense that they really care about me. And and when somebody uh, picks up on on that, then it just makes it so much easier for them to hear you out versus just coming in and being inconsiderate to where they're at. Can I just say this? Again, this is something that I want to leave you with and never forget this. There's a big difference between acceptance and approval. You're like, Jeff, what do you mean? We can accept a person without approving of their lifestyle. You know, I've grown up in church most all of my life. And you know what? Some of the biggest problems toward people that are far from God is people who call themselves Christians. And it goes back to what we were talking about earlier, just judgmental and harsh and negative and critical. And and they can't make the distinction between, hey, I can accept this person. I can love this person. I can be gentle with this person. Doesn't mean I've got to approve their lifestyle. I'm not condoning their lifestyle, but I care about them. And you know what I've come to realize? Here's our responsibility. We do the sharing and Jesus does the saving. You with me on that? We do the sharing. We share our faith and Jesus does the saving. Why? Because we're gentle. We're not inconsiderate. And you're like, Jeff, are you going off on a personal tangent or is this in the Bible? And I'm telling you that what I'm saying right now is in the Bible. And to prove it, look at this last, this last couple of verses. If someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it to them, but do this. It's so important. A lot of times we skip over this, but do this in a gentle and respectful way. What have we been talking about? All of us want to become a more likable person. If uh, if you just like, I don't care if people like me or not, that's a problem maybe we'll have to address that down the road. But all of us want to be likable. And what do we learn? To be gentle, not demanding. To be gentle, not judgmental. To be gentle, not disagreeable. That we're going to be gentle and not defensive. That we're going to be gentle and not resentful. And as we just mentioned, gentle, not inconsiderate. Would you stand with me, everybody, for a closing prayer? Don't forget next week, seeing the invisible. What's going on every single day of our lives all around us, and we never see it. We need to talk about it, and I look forward to seeing you then. Heavenly Father, help us all. Help us all to be more gentle. It's what we want. Fruit of the Spirit. Right up there with love and joy and peace and self-control. It's being gentle, likable doesn't mean we're meek or weak although meekness isn't a bad thing but it just means that it's strength under control we want to be much better god at controlling our reaction to other people and in a world and in a time when it would be so easy to be demanding or judgmental to be disagreeable or defensive to be resentful or inconsiderate we're not going to do that. The me that we want to be is to become more and more like your son, Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you're not yet a Christian and you would just say, Jeff, you know what? I, uh, I know that I need to give my life to Jesus. I mentioned to you what Jesus went through for all of us. He was an innocent man. He was perfect in every way. But he was falsely accused. A mock trial. They beat him within an inch of his life. They nailed him to a cross. And there while he was being nailed to the cross. He was tortured. Why did he do it? Because of his love. Because he loved you. And he wants to be in relationship with you. So with your head still bowed. And your eyes still closed. If you'd say Jeff I'm not a Christian yet. Maybe you don't even know at this point. What all that means. But you just say hey. I believe that Jesus Christ is who he claimed to be, the Son of God. And I believe that Jesus did what the Bible says he did. He died on the cross to pay for my sins. And I want my sins to be forgiven. I want to be sure that I'm in right standing with God. I want to know that I've got a reserve seat in heaven. I need help to live my life every day. And I want to become a Christian right here, right now. If that's you, just put your hand straight up in the air. Straight up in the air. And then you can slip it right back down. And Father, I just pray right now that for any person that's just saying, Jesus, come into my life. Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Thank you that you will receive us. You accept us even when you didn't approve of something that we have done or still doing. But you love us. And you extend grace and mercy. And we need your forgiveness. So, God, I pray that right now in this place and those that are watching online would just say, Jesus, come into my life. Give me a brand new start. Forgive me of all my sins. And with your help, I'll live the life you want me to live. I'll be the me that you want me to be in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Love you, everybody. Have a great, great week. I'll see you right back here next Sunday.